Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Passion is a commodity that we must make sure that we never, ever lose as people. Amen? Compassion is a commodity. Compassion is, is, is an element of the kingdom, is an element of, of, of Christ followers that we must make sure that we never lose sight of, that we never lose the capacity to show compassion towards those that are hurting, that are broken, that are lost, that are destitute, whatever the case may be. And again, inside with Emmanuel heading over to Uganda, what a wonderful thing to be able to go over there and demonstrate compassion. Amen. So this morning we want to look at that, but I wanted to take it up from chapter 1, verse 45, and just read one verse of Scripture to you this morning before we jump into chapter 2. But it says this this morning, uh, it says this in verse 45, uh, However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the matter. This was the leper that got healed by Jesus at the end of chapter 1 in, in the book of Mark. And so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And he came to him, and they came to him from every nation. Listen to it again. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely, the leper, about what Jesus had did, and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. You know, it just blows me away. In, in Mark chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, the incredible hunger and desperateness in people's hearts to encounter the love of Jesus Christ. I'm blown away by that. And that last little tagline there, it says it again, if I could do, and they came to him from every direction. In Mark chapter 3, in the beginning of the, uh, the verses there, the beginning of that chapter there, we see that uh, Jesus is in a, is in a house and um, they're, they're, they're the, basically the multitude of the whole city comes out to meet Jesus. And I'm just amazed at the hunger in people's hearts in those first few chapters of the book of Mark. But you know what I was thinking? thinking this morning how awesome would it be to see a time where people get so hungry for the presence of Jesus again how awesome would it be to see a revival uh, in our community in our church even where people get so hungry and so desperate to encounter the presence of Jesus Christ that they're willing to do all sorts of crazy things like even opening up the roof of this building here and lowering down a paralytic in order for them to be healed amen how awesome to stir our hearts for such a hunger for Jesus' presence. And you know, when I read that there this morning, I just think how incredible people were coming from everywhere. In fact, when we start to look at uh, chapter 2, we see basically that the whole town came out to visit Jesus. I mean, could you imagine the whole of the city of Shell Harbor out and around this building, the whole 66,000 people coming out to meet with Jesus Christ. I mean, you might think I'm mad this morning. You might think I'm crazy this morning. And maybe I am a little bit crazy this morning. But why not couldn't we believe God that there would be a revival for the hunger, hunger for the presence of Jesus Christ again? Why couldn't we believe God that people's hearts would be stirred to say, I want to encounter Jesus and I want to encounter Him in a fresh and a real way? Well, that's in verse chapter 1, verse 45, and, and we see there the leper. Again, he gets touched, he gets healed, and he can't shut his mouth. He's got to go and tell everybody about what took place. But in telling everybody what took place, everybody now wants to come out and meet and encounter this man called Jesus Christ. So we take it this morning from 
chapter 2, verses 1 through to 5. I want to read it with you then, then just look at this little story here this morning. Remembering again, our topic this morning is the compassion of Jesus and his followers. But have a listen to it in verse 1, chapter 2, the book of Mark. And it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in a house. Immediately many gathered, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic man who was carried by four men. I want you to underscore that word there, four men. And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic man was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Just to get the picture again, Jesus is in the village. He's holding a meeting. He's preaching the gospel. And everybody in the village is coming out to meet him. So much so, there's no room for anyone to be able to enter the house, let alone even get near the door. In fact, in the, in the book of Mark chapter 3, we see there that at one point, the crowd was so tight that they couldn't even eat, even if they tried. That's how tight the crowd was. And in the book of Mark here again, we see the same thing. The crowd was so thick that no one was able to enter into the house to be able to meet or to listen to what Jesus was saying. So we see the picture here. There's four men. We don't know who these four men are. We don't even know if they were family members. We don't even know if they were friends. But we see these four men encounter this man that's a paralytic. These four men have it in their heart to get this man uh, into the presence of Jesus. And again, we don't know whether, he was a fr- whether they were friends, whether they were family. The Bible just simply says that they were four individuals. They weren't friends, weren't family, just four individuals. And what we see is that they got so, so creative, so, so moved, so, so stirred, that rather than just walk away and forget about the opportunity of presenting this paralytic man to Jesus, the story goes that they opened up the roof in which where Jesus was, and they lowered that man down into the very presence of Jesus Christ. Astounding faith when you think about it. Could you imagine what it would be like to lower down someone through the roof of this building here? I mean, could you imagine us having our little old church service and something like that took place? That would be a bit of a sight. That would be quite an amazing thing. But that's what took place. And what I love is what Jesus says here about these four men. And again, we don't know. We don't think that they were family members. We don't think they were friends. They were just four men that were proceeding to go and listen to Jesus to, to, to probably attend the meeting. But along their journey, they discover this paralytic man. And it says this in verse 5. Listen to what it says. And when Jesus saw their faith, listen to it, when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralytic guy, but the faith of the four men. You see, these men had faith to believe that if they could only get this paralytic man into the presence of Jesus, he would be healed. And I think this morning by looking at those few verses as there and we look at some other um, 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 aspects of the gospel, Jesus is always moved by people's faith. And I want to ask you this morning, how's your faith? Are you believing God? Are you trusting God? Are you stretching out? Are you, are, you, are you fighting? Are you resisting those things that might be opposing your faith? You know, right now in wintertime, I just, I just despise wintertime sometimes because of all of the sickness. 
And you know, as a pastor, sometimes we can go, oh, there's not many people there on a Sunday because a lot of people are sick. And you know, we can think that way, but I believe that God wants us to think another way and to use our faith. That we believe that even though there might be sickness in our body, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And even though we might have a little sniff and a little cold and whatnot, rather than being overwhelmed by sickness, God wants us to rise up and start to fight that. Amen. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Hallelujah. He's healed me. And uh, as I said, in that verse there, just so love that Jesus acknowledges the faith of the four men that was there, and he was moved by their faith. So this morning, I want to look at just a few things of what we can learn this morning from these gents. First thing is this. These four men, don't know whether they were family members or friends, but these four men, they were moved by what they saw. They put the needs of the paralytic man before their own. Obviously, they had come to receive something from Jesus, but they considered this man's needs above their own. It's the first thing that we can see here. The second thing that we can acknowledge is this. They acknowledged the obstacles, but didn't let that deter them. They saw the crowded room. They saw the overflow of people. They saw the obstacle that was there in order for them to be able to get this paralytic man to the presence of Jesus. But rather than being deterred by what they saw, they allowed their faith to become creative. And as a result of that, went to the higher part of the house, opened up the roof and lowered the man down. And the last thing that we see here that I think is worth noting this morning in the story is that they worked together to see the man's needs met. What was that? To encounter Jesus Christ. And listen to this thought this morning. Ultimately, it was their faith and compassion that led the guy not only to be forgiven, but we also see being healed as well. Jesus said to be Forgiven, I forgive you of your sins. The scribes, the Pharisees challenged that. And then Jesus takes it to the next level, commanded the man to stand up and arise and to walk. And he did. So I love this thought here because when I think about these four men, I believe that these four people, these four men are like a representation of how the church is meant to be. A representation how you and I are meant to be. That God's wanting us to work together, to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to assist one another in reaching out into our world and helping people that are paralytic. Maybe not completely paralytic, but maybe their faith is wounded. Maybe their lives are wounded. Maybe they've gone through a divorce or something like that. There could be people in our street, even in this church here now, people that need love and assistance and help. I believe that those four men are a representation of what we, the church, are meant to be, working together to bring to pass the plan of God in people's lives, because that's exactly what those four men did. That paralytic man had no chance, no opportunity of getting into that meeting. He had no chance whatsoever, but these four men combined their faith, their skills, their resources, and what do they do? They bring this paralytic man to the feet of Jesus, and Jesus forgives and heals him. You see, those four men are a picture of you and I and the importance of us coming together in faith for the purposes of reaching our world, reaching our communities, and extending our hearts in seeing people one into the kingdom of God. I want to share just a few verses of Scripture with you this morning, just if we could bring it up on the screen there this morning. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Who's that talking about this morning? 
correct without exception. It's not a trick, trick question. It's talking about us. I want you to have a look at that this morning. During the week, I was in the car, driving around, listening to Pulse 941. And uh, they do this radio interview between um, the, the, the radio guy from the Uniting Church, I think in uh, Gerard, wherever it is. And he was interviewing an older man, uh, John Cornford, this gentleman's name is. He's a retired Anglican minister. Uh, met John a couple of times, a, 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 a legend of the faith. And it came up to the topic of Christians and the use of their gifts, the, the, the things that God had entrusted them with. And how we are a body of believers. It started to have the conversation how we're a body of believers and that we're all called to serve one another using the gifts that God has given us. Amen. And I sat there listening to about five minutes. I got so inspired in my heart, so stirred in my heart, because one of the thoughts was, you know, how on earth can we serve the church if we're not here on a Sunday? Hello? You see, when you're not here on a Sunday, I want to say you're missing. We miss you when you're not here. I look across the auditorium often when I don't see people. I think, where are people? People need to be here on a Sunday. Why? Because God has given each one of us a gift to minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I love that thought there. You and I have a gift that God has given us to serve one another with as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's what those four men did. One of them must have had some sort of uh, building experience, potentially. One of the other guys must have had some sort of, um, what do you call, rope shackles, um, uh, rigging abilities. Um, another guy must have had some sort of, um, what, we, what would we say? It? The crowd would have been quite upset when they saw that man lowered down. He would have had a peacemaker gift, I said, quiet all the crowd down. I mean, each of those guys used their gifts, their skills, in order to get that man down into that room where Jesus was. And that's exactly the same for us. Each of us have a gift, a skill, a thing that God has called us to use. Next scripture, if we could have a look at it this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. I love this. It says, From whom the whole body, body, body joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I'm going to jump over that scripture too quickly because it's such a profound statement there. We are a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the fact that we are a body. We are the body of Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is the head. We are the body. But the reality is that every one of us within the body has a part to play using the skills, the gifts, the things that God has given us. In order for, listen to it there, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. If you're not using your gift, someone is missing out. Amen. And it might be simply a, a gift of hospitality. It might be a gift to cook. Someone cooked for us on, uh, I think it was Friday night. Most astounding meal. Thank you so much for your gift of hospitality. That was awesome. I'm feeling fatter as a result. Um, amen. But each one of us here this morning, whether or not we recognize it or not, we have been gifted and graced by God for the purpose of serving one another in love so that the body can be built up and edified. Each one of us this morning here, 
I don't care how ugly you might think you are. I don't care how, how, how busy you might think you are. I don't care how intellectually endowed you might think you are or you are not. I don't care what your background is, where you've come from, what you think your past is, what you think your future is. God has gifted you and endowed you for the purpose of serving the body of Christ so that those that are broken and lost and away from God can come and be connected and reconnected. Again, those four men, that's exactly what they did. They used their gifts, their abilities, and it was their compassion for that paralytic man that led ultimately to him encountering Jesus. So we really want to, just before we move on there this morning, 1 Peter chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 10. We've all been given a gift. Ephesians 4, 16, we are a body. Each of us has a gift that he wants us to contribute to the life of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about it, explains the, you know, the whole working of how a body works. Romans chapter 12 talks about it again, and it goes on and on and on. And the reality is if we don't use our gifts for the purpose of building the church, then someone is missing out. My question would be to you and to me, what will we say when we stand before him and he asks us to give an account of what we did with what he gave us? It's a great thought, isn't it? Amen. I haven't got a joke right about now, but it's probably good if I did. He's going to ask each of us, look us in the eye and say, Shane, what did you do with that gift? Dave Hunter, what did you do with the gift to teach? He's going to ask each one, what did you do with those things that I gave you, amen? That's why it's so important. We be like those four men and use our gifts to come together to make a difference in our church and also in our community, amen? Because I found this, if we can get it right in our church by loving one another, by using the gifts that God has given us to serve one another, that has an astounding flow-on effect as a result of that, amen? So it's so important that we understand that. Compassion will move us to use our gifts and talents for the benefit of others. Compassion will move us to use our gifts and our talents for the benefit of others. And the second thing about compassion is this. I love it. Compassion never discriminates. Amen. Have a look at this next verse of Scripture. We're just about done this morning. In chapter 2 of the book of Mark, verse 13 through to 17, Jesus shows us that he doesn't judge by the externals. And aren't you thankful about that this morning? I am. It says this in verse 13, Then he went out again by the sea, and the multitude came to him. And he taught them as he passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with, with, with his disciples. Isn't it interesting there? We always put tax collectors and sinners together. Always, in the, always the tax collectors and the sinners hung out together. <laughs> what an interesting group. Sinners and tax collectors sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees, all the religious people, saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that this, this man, he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, <laughs> but sinners to repentance. You know, why were tax collectors so hated? Why were they so hated? Sure, they collected tax. Now, I pay tax, but I don't really hate the ATO that much. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't got a vendetta against the ATO. Don't record that bit. Uh, you know, you might be here this morning. You don't hate the tax man, do you? You probably just despise him now and then. You go, oh, that hurt. That's a little bit more than I was expecting to pay. But, you know, you know but, but we see throughout the, 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 the New Testament here, especially in the Gospels, that the tax collectors were hated. And I started to dig a little bit during the week and, and, and sort of found out why they were so hated. Um, the tax collectors did uh, what the word describes. They collected tax. And most of them were Jewish people that were employed by the Roman government of the time. And most of the Roman people of the time felt very, uh, uh, very, um, very disconnected with the Roman Empire, if you could say. And here we are, the Jewish people, their, their, their own people are being employed by Rome to go and collect, collect tax on behalf of Rome. And what would take place was this, basically, if Andy was walking down the road and he had a chicken under either arm, uh, I, as a tax collector, could go up to Andy and demand and place an immediate tax on him for the chickens that he was carrying. I could just do that to anyone. When I was walking around as a tax collector, if I saw someone carrying something of worth, I was able to go up to them and charge a tax on behalf of the Roman government. That was the first thought that I discovered. The second thought that I discovered is that these, these tax collectors would, would go around and they would do that, but they would also go and collect taxes. They would bring them to the Roman government, but what they would also do is they would take more than what they needed to. And the reason they took more than that, what they were, they were supposed to is that they would keep that money for themselves. So basically they were ripping off the poor. They were ripping off those people that didn't have a lot. They would go into the villages and, you know, Alex has got such and such. I'm taxing you immediately. He'd take that money. But also on bigger things, they would place a higher tax. They would, they would extort money from people. They would bring that money to the Roman government. Then they would put the rest aside and keep it to themselves. That's why they were so hated by the people of their time because they were seen as rip-off merchants. So, everyone say so. So when Jesus was sitting with Levi, he was sitting with someone that was hated by the majority of the people in his time and especially hated by the religious people of his time. The scribes and the Pharisees said, how dare could this man sit with Levi and eat with someone that was so despised by everybody. In fact, so much so, we see that Jesus doesn't actually gather up all the tax collectors and sinners and sit with them, but he also has a meal with them. You know what the meal meant in those times? Fellowship. So Jesus wasn't just meeting with the tax collectors and the sinners he was actually having a meal, and the scribes and the Pharisees saw that as a representation of fellowshipping. So Jesus was fellowshipping, hanging out with some of the most vile and hated people of his time. I love the fact that Jesus' love and his compassion doesn't discriminate. Amen? Aren't you glad this morning? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen? Once was blind, but now I see. Just love that thought this morning. But you know what's the interesting thing that I love about this little bit of the story here? Levi. Everyone say Levi. Levi's name was changed to Matthew. Matthew became the writer of the book of Matthew. Matthew, after encountering Jesus Christ and Jesus showing compassion towards him and loving him even in his state as a sinner, Matthew was so touched by that that he went on to be one of the great apostles of faith. Amen. 
It was Levi, the hated tax collector, but became Matthew, the great apostle of faith that wrote the first gospel, the book of Matthew. Could you imagine if you and I went out there and just loved people indiscriminately? Could you imagine what that would do if we just loved like Jesus did? We loved indiscriminately? I've got to say, sometimes I, I struggle with people's external view. Their look. I do. Sometimes I've seen people with big earrings and their ears are like, if you took the thing out of their ear and you popped it out, their earlobes would flap in the wind. I envisage them on a motorcycle just at the back. Now, if you've got those there, please forgive me. Just an illustration. Just, I love them. I love them. But I've seen people like that. I've seen people with, with tattoos all over them. If you've got a tattoo, good on you. God bless you. Great. I've seen people with all sorts of ear piercings and stuff. And you know, at times I must admit that I've looked at people and I've judged people according to their exterior. And you know what? I think if we're all honest, we'd all be the same to some degree. That too often we judge people according to their exterior. You know what? Jesus could have easily judged Matthew according, excuse me, Levi according to his exterior. Straight up, he was a tax collector. He was hated. But you know, as Christians, we do that far too often. We judge people by the way that they look. And as a result of that, we never become the vessel of grace towards them that God might call us to become to them. Why? Because we judge them straight up. We say, uh, they don't fit in my, they don't look like me. They don't dress like me. They don't smell like me. The list goes on and on and on. One of the things that I found very, very intriguing in the whole uh, journey of, of the Holy Ghost movie was a gentleman called Todd White. First time I saw Todd White on the TV screen, I thought, they got this part of the movie wrong. I mean, Todd White, he had the dreadlocks. He's in a pair of shorts, T-shirt. That's the right to wear that stuff. He's, you know, don't get me wrong he's sitting there on this rock and he's chin wagging and talking away and I'm thinking goodness gracious me this guy's just he's just got out of Nimbin or somewhere like that or Mwollombar where is it Alex oh you wouldn't know you're too pure Nimbin thanks Cassie Nimbin you know he's just straight out of Nimbin there he is on the TV screen but you know what the more that I watched Todd White the more that I realized that I'd been judging him by his exterior because that man has such a heart for God and such a heart for the lost. It's just religious people sometimes like you and I that can judge the look of someone and go, oh, they're not like us. God doesn't want us to be like that. That's not the way that Jesus was, amen. Compassion. Compassion doesn't discriminate. In fact, as we get ready to conclude this morning, there's a verse of Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. But the Lord looks at the heart. Excuse me, I'll, I'll just backtrack. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I believe that we need to get past judging people by the externals and live from a compassionate place. Amen? Compassion. Compassion. Those four men... That's all that they were noted of as four men, but Jesus commented on their great faith, but they were just four men that had compassion towards a nobody. And as a result of that, that nobody became somebody. He was healed and saved in an instant. Amen? And then we see here in, in this story of Jesus with, with Levi, not judging on the exterior, but loving. 
demonstrating compassion. So I get ready con to conclude this morning. There's often this scripture that it troubles me. It really troubles me. I read it, I just I get troubled by it because I think how do we how do we ensure that we don't become like this? Scripture in Matthew chapter 24. You know, my, my, my greatest fear for, for us as people living here in, 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 in this, this place, in this country, in the West, is that our Christianity becomes cold-hearted, that we live in such a significant amount of blessing that we forget the reason why we've been blessed. In this verse of Scripture, Matthew chapter 24 says, And because of lawlessness it will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We see it every day, stuff on the TV, stuff happening. I woke up this morning, I, um, as you do in the morning, got uh, the phone out, I li like to update what's happening around the world. You know, uh, Iraq, uh, an ISIS guy, uh, Iraq over the moment having a heat wave over there. Uh, th this guy pulls up with a big ice ice fan and uh, brings all the people in, giving free ice away, blows them all up. 100 people dead, 180 injured. Lawlessness. But you know, in the midst of all that, we've got to make sure that as people, we don't lose our compassion. We don't just say, oh, it's too difficult, it's too hard, we can't. No, right here in this church, there's opportunity to demonstrate compassion. Right here in this town that we live in, Shell Harbour, there's an opportunity. In your street, wherever we are, there's opportunity to show compassion. In fact, I believe we all should be like and living like the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. Wow, there's some titles there, isn't there? Chosen people, holy and deliver, uh, dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion. Amen. So that's what I got out of Mark chapter 2 this week. Compassion of the followers of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus himself. Could I have the musicians come up this morning? If we could just bow our heads this morning. This week, you know, I want to challenges as people myself each one of us in this place this morning who could we be like those four men were in the book of mark towards that paralytic man that couldn't help himself had no means no ability to be able to get to that meeting that 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 jesus was attending and yet four men with compassion four people with a compassionate heart changed that world the man of that, the world of that man forever because of their compassion. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for the incredible blessing that we have in being able to freely read and share and understand your word. Thank you, Lord. But God, we ask today that you would just remind us of the power and the place of compassion in our lives, that Lord, in the midst of our busy schedules, in the midst of all that we have to do, all the stuff that we think so important. But God, ultimately, what's important is fearing you and keeping your commandments. Jesus, you demonstrated compassion. And we ask you today, Lord, for us as a people, that you would help us to never lose sight 
of the place and the power of compassion in our worlds, in our families, in our church, in our community, in this nation and beyond. So Lord, right now as our heads are bowed and we're just still before you. Speak to us this week about the people that you're wanting us to reach out to, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Your grace is so sufficient for us, and we love you. Bless you, Lord.